The Church of Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle of Madison, Connecticut welcomes you to this edition of Shi'ar Jeshub, featuring the ministry of Pastor Greg Scalzo. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and today we will be continuing a sermon my husband taught as part of the Heavenly Authority series. Pastor has been looking at the kingship and messianic promises given to David in 2 Samuel chapter 7, and he has also discussed the concept of the kinsman redeemer from the book of Ruth. When we left off last time, Pastor Greg traced the kingship from David through Solomon down to Jeconiah at the time of the Babylonian captivity. Jeconiah, as many others in this kingly line, has done evil in the sight of the Lord, and so Jeremiah pronounces God's curse upon him. In Jeremiah chapter 22, not only does God tell Jeconiah that he will be taken captive into Babylon, but also that none of his descendants shall prosper sitting on the throne of David and ruling any more in Judah. Let's go back into the Sunday message and rejoin Pastor Greg. And throughout all the period that follows, the Medo-Persians suppressed the Israelites. Then you have Alexander the Great, and you have the Greek empires that come from him, the Seleucids, the Ptolemies, and the Jews are oppressed by them. And even when they find independence, it's with the Maccabees, the family of the Maccabees, the Levites, that are in control until you have Roman occupation. And when you come to the birth of Christ, the king is Herod, who's an Edomian. He's not even a Jew. And where are the descendants of Solomon through Jeconiah, through Zerubbabel at that time? Well, that legal kingship that comes as promised, the line is still there, but the man that receives it is not prospering as a king because it said they will never prosper as a king again. And his name is Joseph, and he's a carpenter. If you turn to Matthew chapter 1, you see a lineage at the very beginning the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So he's pronounced a son of David, and the kingship comes through David. He's pronounced the son of Abraham. Through Abraham, all the nations on earth will be blessed. The Messiah must be a Jew. And it breaks down the lineage with David as the center. And when you get down to verse 6, and Jesse begot David the king, Jesse comes from Judah, Judah comes from Abraham. Uh, then at the end of verse 6, David the king begot Solomon. Solomon begot Rehoboam. Under Rehoboam, the empire was split. If you go down, uh, verse 12, Jeconiah begot Shealtiel, and Shealtiel begot Zerubbabel. That was the governor we spoke about. And then for verse 13 on, you have a lineage of men, all of whom to whom the legal kingship belonged, but none of whom prospered, as Jeremiah prophesied. Until you get down to verse 16, and Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who was called Christ. So Jesus is a legal descendant because as an adopted son of Joseph, even though he's not his natural father, 
as the first son of Joseph, he has the legal right to the kingship by David through Solomon. But wait a second, none of the descendants, the seed, can prosper. But he's not of the seed of Jeconiah, is he? Joseph is his adopted father. But Messiah must be of the seed of David also. He must come from David's body. We read that promise at the very beginning in 2 Samuel. There's another lineage, and this one's in Luke chapter 3. Well, you would expect that because a person has two parents, and if you have one, you should receive the other. In chapter 3, we have a lineage given by Luke. And if you remember about Luke, he's a physician. And he tells us at the beginning of his gospel, he's examined everything very clearly. And we know in the beginning of the book of Luke that there's much information about Mary. And he said he took eyewitness accounts, and it's very probable that Luke spoke to Mary. So it would not surprise us that in the book of Luke, we would have the genealogy of Mary. And in Luke chapter 3, verse 23, and there's an excellent essay about this by Thomas and Gundry about these genealogies. It says, Now Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Matthat. Now Matthew, we read that Joseph was the son of Jacob, right? And that makes sense because... What does Joseph name the first son they have after Jesus? James, right? And James is a form of Jacob. So it makes sense in the custom of that day that Joseph, the first son, who is not his natural flesh, the angel says, you name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. But the first son he has with Mary, that is his physical son, James, he names after his father Jacob. So who is this Heli here? The son of Joseph, the son of Heli. Well, if you look at the Greek, being as it was supposed the son of Joseph is really parenthetical. They supposed he was the son of Joseph, the son of Heli. In the Hebrew, they would trace the male lineage. Heli is Mary's father. The next male in the actual flesh, not the legal right now, the actual flesh, in the flesh, Jesus as son of man is from the flesh of Mary. And who would the next male ancestor be but her father, Eli? And if you look at what his lineage is like, if you go all the way up and you go down to verse 31, the second part of that, it says the son of Nathan, the son of David. David had many sons. You read about Nathan uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 14. So in the flesh, Jesus is the physical descendant of David. He comes from his body, even as the prophecy through Nathan in 2 Samuel. He is the seed of David. He doesn't fall into the curse of Jeconiah because he's not the seed of Jeconiah from Solomon. He receives the legal kingship but he's still a descendant of David through Mary. And so he can have the legal kingship. He can still be from David. And yet he can prosper because the curse of Keniah, of Jeconiah, is not upon him. This is just one of the reasons for the virgin birth. 
to show that God cannot be mocked. And Jeconiah, you think that everything has to go fine for you because you're a descendant of David? No. God can raise up a seed for David, give him your lineage, give him your legal kingship, and still all your seed will not prosper on the throne. And Joseph, a good man, is a carpenter. He's not a king of Israel. But his son will be a king not only over Israel, but over the whole world. And Luke goes on to trace the lineage from David through Abraham, and he goes even further than that. He goes all the way back in verse 38, the son of Adam, the son of God, to show us, to emphasize the human, the son of man aspect of Messiah, that he would be our kinsman redeemer. He would come from Adam. He would be son of man. He is one that's a close relative that can redeem us. Now, he's not the closest, right? He is born in a supernatural way. But all those who are close relatives, could they save us? Could Adam, could David, could Moses, could Abraham, all the great saints you read about in the Bible, one thing they all have in common, they sin. And they cannot redeem us. They're like the one, the closest relative to Ruth. And then comes in Boaz. This one that's like us, the son of man, but he's not the closest because one thing is different. He's also the Son of God. And as Son of God, he can do what no one else can do as one of us. He can live a perfect, sinless life and go to that cross having never once sinned. And no other human being, no other kinsman can say that. Only this one, this kinsman redeemer. God kept his divine promise to David at the same time as he kept the curse to Jeconiah. God cannot be tricked. God cannot be mocked. The virgin birth avoided the curse of Jeconiah. But not only that, the virgin birth declared that even though Jesus is son of man, he's of a different father. There's no other kinsman except him that can save us for he never sinned. You know, some say that the virgin birth was so that Jesus could acquire a human nature without sharing in mankind's sin, as though the mode of the birth made him sinless. I don't know if you've ever heard that. And because of that, there's a lot of theological twists that they have to do to keep sin from coming on Jesus and sharing in the sin nature of mankind. I have a slightly different perspective on it. I believe the virgin birth instead declared in foreknowledge that this one, this Messiah, would never sin, never commit sin. Why? Because of who he is. Not because of the way he was born. The way he was born declared it. The miracle declared it that this one is different. Because of who he is, even if you take him, and you place him in the same flesh as us, if you place him as a kinsman because of who he is in his heart, because his spirit is the spirit of God, he will never sin, even if tortured, even if suffering on the cross, he still will be holy and perfect and sinless. Some see original sin as a spot that's kind of passed down from one generation to the other. But what is original sin? Original sin is the sin that we read about in Genesis 3, 5. The sin that Adam and Eve committed 
that says you will be like God. That's what the devil tempted them. You will be like God. Adam and Eve had no sin nature, right? They were made perfect. So it's not a matter of inheritance or how you're born. It's a matter of free will. And Adam and Eve thought they could be like God. They can live life on their own without God. I can be the God of my life. I can choose what I want to choose. I don't need him who created me. That's the original sin. And every child of Adam and Eve, every son of man, has the same attitude. Not because it's stamped on us, but as in foreknowledge, God knew it and declared it. If he took each one of us and placed us in that garden, you know what we would do? The same exact thing. You have been listening to the teaching ministry of Greg Scalzo, pastor of Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle of Madison, Connecticut. We know it is terribly difficult to find the time to write in today's fast-paced world. But if you could find the time to drop us a postcard, your words of encouragement would be a real blessing. Our address is Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the upper room of the Madison Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. Take I-95 to exit 61. Go south to Route 1. Turn right, and at the next light, turn right again. May the Lord's presence overflow in your life as you serve Him.